welcome to the Rotobomb podcast on Divisional Round Saturday. Folks, uh, please excuse the long introduction there, but uh, we lost uh, Neil Peart yesterday, uh, one of my favorite musicians, uh, one of my favorite lyricists, uh, one of the few rock lyricists who actually had an impact on the way I see the world, uh, and he's one of those people who got me to think at a young age. So, um, you know, thanks uh, to Neil for that, and uh, obviously he's a great loss, and uh my heart goes out to all the members of Rush, the Rush family, Rush fans, and anybody who um, was close to Neil. This is tough stuff, and uh, he was a private guy. We didn't really know how sick he was, at least I didn't, until we found out about his death. And uh, it bums me out to know that someone I care so deeply about had to spend so much time in pain. And obviously Neil's a guy who lost family members to accidents, and, and really, you know, for a guy who lived the superstar life, he also had a pretty tough life. Um, and I was saddened to hear it, so my heart goes out. Um, you know, to anybody who's sort of feeling the way I'm feeling right now. Um, but man, today's a big day and uh, we got to get into it. It's not going to take a long time, but I think, you know, I, I have some strong feelings on this slate. Um, you know, it's not going to tell you exactly who to play, but, you know, I just want to make sure you guys know where I'm at and, uh, and we'll get out of here. So the first thing I want to talk about uh, is the article I put up on EEI this morning, uh, general outline of the slate and how I'm sort of approaching this thing. Uh, choosing a quarterback, I mean, obviously that's always a big thing. Choosing a quarterback is always important, obviously, but uh, this week it feels very open-ended. I mean, the only quarterback I really don't want any part of is Ryan Tannehill, and it's really because of the matchup and because I think to win this game they need to lean on the run. Uh, so I just it just doesn't set up well for Tannehill. It doesn't mean he can't have a big day. He's playing well, and he's got some weapons, but you know he, he really feels like the lowest probability shot on the board for me, so he's sort of out. Uh, I'm definitely low on Cousins, too, for similar reasons. The matchup, I think they need to run. Cook is their best matchup in that game, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, you know, apart from those two, and I'm more than willing to, you know, throw a Cousins lineup in a GPP. I mean, I, I, I'm not totally opposed to that. I just have so much else I want to do that I don't think I will. Um, so Garoppolo, um, I think, does have some thin merit, meaning I think he, you know, I think they're probably going to be run-based enough where he's not going to be the play. But by the same token, we know that once they start throwing, they can start throwing the ball really well. Like, I, you know, Garoppolo, I think, is a good bet to have one or fewer TD passes, but certainly there are scenarios for three or four. Okay, so I think in you know in a GPP, I'm definitely willing to take a little bit uh, of Garoppolo, um, and I think, you know, a because I think he has the upside, but. More importantly, because we save so much money. Um, I mean, we're talking about almost 3K off of Lamar. I mean, that's that's a significant number when you look at. Well, now when you look, when you start doing lineup construction, you will start realizing the significance of those savings. I would say it's more uh, important than it would be on an average full slate. Um, and then Watson is another guy where you know I've heard a lot of people on Watson this week. It's very tough. You can never argue against Deshaun Watson in a GPP. It's never a bad idea. Uh, it's just that when I look at this slate, I've got four quarterbacks. I want to play more. That's really all it is. Um, and, you know, the Will Fuller thing has me concerned, you know, that Watson can hit you know, for him to really go off and be the guy on this slate, I think he needs to hit a couple deep balls. And then he also has to run some and smatter in, you know, seven or eight completions to nuke on the on the intermediate stuff. I, you know, unless Fuller is healthier than we're led to believe, I just think that's thin. I think it's going to be tough to get that to happen. A good day for Watson? Sure. Sure. But... You know, I think I get more ceiling with some of these other options, uh, and, and it's safer. So, you know, look, 
Watson in a GP, some sh- in a GPP, some shares, sure. Uh, but for me, probably not because I'm just putting it in other places. I like Rodgers this week. I like the way the game sets up for him. That offense has been ugly, uh, but you know, uh, I, I you know, you look at Seattle. They're not going to be able to run. They're going to run some because this is a good run matchup. But they just don't have the guys. Um, so th- everything in this game just sort of tilts towards the pass for me. I think when it comes down to it in this game, it's going to be about trust. What do we really trust? And I think both teams are going to gravitate towards their best player, which is the quarterback. So I like the pass in this game. And, um, well, we'll get to it a little bit later. But uh, to me, Rodgers and Wilson both merit exposure. Uh, but the two big guys for me are uh, Mahomes and Jackson. Uh, major shares of both this week. Like them a lot. Uh, but you know, it, it, you do get challenged with costs because it's a thousand bucks more to step up to Mahomes, you know, roughly, and then almost another thousand to get up to Jackson. Um, so, you know, do what's comfortable for you. You know, I think most of the good lineups are going to come from Rogers, Wilson, Mahomes, and Jackson. Uh, and I am going to be sprinkling some Garoppolo in there. And I'm basically going to be fading Watson. And I would not even for a second. Uh, try to sell you that that's not a risky move. I think it is risky to fade Watson, but that's how I get more of what I want. Um, you know, and I'm not playing this weekend at a level where if things go south, I'm going to get crushed. Um, I'm actually, for the first time, I'm doing some mass entry this week. I'm doing uh, 20 lineups uh, in one of these um, GPPs, really just for the fun of it, to give it a shot. Uh, and at this point, 50% of those 20 lineups are going to be Lamar lineups, I think. Um, so... Let me see. So yeah, a lot of different ways you can go with quarterbacks, a lot of different stacks. Uh, I threw a couple of values in the article. I like Diggs a lot at 5,600 just as a value. I think at that price, even though his, you know, his output probably is not predictable, I think he you know, he's moving into cash viable because of the cost, you know. Um, I think Debo Samuel at 52 is a nice one, as I mentioned with Jim Hackett. Well, I'll get to this in a second. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Gus Edwards, I think, you know, could end up being a great play with this whole Ingram thing looking more and more iffy. Um, let me see. And then, you know, um, I think a general strategy point, as I mentioned in the article, uh, this is a week where I think we should consider not using a running back in our flex. Uh, you know, we've been talking all year that, uh, really, for me, two years now, that, you know, Pass catching running backs in the flex is the best way to play for me. Uh, but this week, to get all the ones we want in there, you basically have to just price yourself to the moon, and it really limits what you can do. I mean, it's like playing Lamar and three of the elite backs. Uh, it just feels like a loser's errand. Um, I mean, I like those players, obviously, but what you know, the other stuff I end up with in my, uh, that I end up with in my lineup, it's just, it's just not good. So, you know, using Kittle as your tight end and Andrews in the flex, or Kelsey and then Andrews in the flex, or Kelsey and then Kittle in the flex, whatever combo. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're going to do tight end in the flex, uh, probably Kelsey in the flex. He's the latest. One kills the first, uh, then Andrews, and then I don't like the tight ends in the Seahawks uh, Green Bay game. Um, but uh, let's get away from just talking about overall strategy and some of these plays, and let's just look at these games one by one, and uh, we'll get you guys out of here. So, first up uh, on the docket is Minnesota at San Francisco. Uh, obviously, uh, the Niners are a significant favorite here, uh, but 
you know, we can't knock out, uh, excuse me, count out the Vikings just because this is a good team, you know, uh, good offense, good defense, uh, solid coaching. Obviously, they went in and took out the Saints. That's no small task. Now, they were built to do it. Uh, that's worth noting. A uh, very tough matchup for the Saints offense, and we saw that in some crucial spots. Uh, that Saints offensive line where they got some guys back, you know, clearly, you know, it wasn't the typical well-oiled Saints offensive line. It broke down in some key spots at key times. Um, San Francisco, you know, I think is rightly favored, but there are ways this thing can break uh, for Minnesota. And I think Silva made a good point. Uh, Evan Silva made a good point on his uh, podcast. Um, I think it, I'm pretty sure it was Silva, but he he brought up the fact that Minnesota's outside zone, obviously they run a lot of that with Kubiak, uh, matches up well against San Francisco's wide nine. And normally that's not something that's a huge deal, but because Minnesota uh, excuse me, because San Francisco uses wide nine on, you know, some non-passing downs, uh, this could be a thing. And, um, you know, the, the San Francisco guys are talented enough to play it well, uh, but you can you can knock off some big runs um, when you succeed against a wide nine. Um, so that's, you know, that's something to, to look at. Uh uh, I don't think San Francisco is going to change the way they play. Um, and that brings us to an element of this game, which is sort of interesting. Uh, Kubiak is a big part of that Minnesota scheme. Obviously, San Francisco is a Shanahan scheme. So we've got really that same base ground attack staring itself in the face. Both of these teams practice against a lot of zone and stretch. Um, so they should be. Um, well-schooled against it. But again, the way San Francisco opts to play a lot of the time does them does leave them vulnerable to getting gashed uh, by Cook um, if, if Minnesota can dial up the right plays at the right times. So, you know, I definitely give Minnesota a puncher's chance in this game. Uh, the thing about that, though, is that I sort of see the run being the thing that makes it happen. So it doesn't really lead me to Cousins, per se, if that makes any sense. The guys I'm really interested in on the Minnesota side are Dalvin at 8K and, and Diggs because the price is just too low. Um, now, some people get into that Thielen narrative, you know, a spike through his foot and he's still going to play. I mean, you know, hey, if you want to do that, go for it. I mean, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but for me, I'm, I'm much more into saving the 600 bucks, going to Diggs, hope that he gets matched up on some guys that can't cover his speed. Um, and, you know, Diggs is a guy where, you know, for 5,600 units, you could get multiple touchdowns and 100 yards. Um, now, you could also get what we've been getting lately, which is a handful of catches for 50, 60 yards, something like that, okay? Uh, but to me, in GPPs, and even in cash, conceivably, his price tag puts him in play. I think Rudolph at 3400 if I was going to pay down to a tight end, that would probably be probably be the way to do it. Um, on the 49ers side, you know, Kittle's a great play. I think Mostert has to be considered at 58, but you have to, on like, like I don't... I think Mostert in GPPs, some exposure makes a lot of sense because he's good and the price isn't too bad. But it's important to just keep that thin touch total in your mind. Keep it present because, you know, Mostert getting more than 15 touches feels really thin. Uh, and I, like, I think it's more likely that he gets less than 10 than get more than 15. I mean, it's close, but I, you know, just... That's sort of the way I see him. And, you know, what happens for San Francisco? Well, you know, just hypothetically, if Mostert doesn't run a real well early um, and either Coleman or Breida comes in, it gets hot. So 
you know, that's the problem with this 49er backfield. They will absolutely ride the hot hand. Uh, it's set up to happen that way. Um, so, I, you know, Mostert exposure, yeah. Leaning in, probably not. Um, and then another thing I liked, and I mentioned it to Hackett on the podcast yesterday at EI, um, is that Manny and Debo, I, you know, I have similar outlook. I like Debo a little bit more, but they're priced uh, Manny at 54, Debo at 52. So, you know, if you create up a lineup that you love with Manny and their salary left over, or if you create a lineup with Debo that you just absolutely love, like if you're sitting there going, man, if Debo goes off, this lineup's going to hit. I love it. Well, guess what? You can make that same lineup with Manny. Or, you know, with Debo, you're going to need an extra 200 bucks to get to Manny, so you'd have to build that in. But with Manny, if you build a Manny lineup that you love, you can just throw the same exact lineup in there, but without Manny and put Debo in in his place. Now you have two ways. If, you know, San, you know, unless San Francisco's number one receiver this week happens to be born, which is possible but not probable, um, you know, you've got a good way of, uh, you know, getting that lineup to hit maximally. Uh, maximally. Is that a freaking word? Anyway, um, so I just think that's something worth noting that there's a pivot there within uh, uh, that team. Um, and, you know, if you wanted to do a Garoppolo stack, you know, it lines up, you know. I mean, you throw in one of their receivers, and we just showed, showed you that they're cheap, and then you can throw Diggs in at 56 as a correlation play on the other side. I mean, that's... The stack hitting may be low probability, but it certainly has a chance, right? And if it hits, you've got a, you've got really the cheapest quarterback on the slate um, that I think is viable. Um, and what is it? It's 56. Tannehill's the cheapest at 54. Garoppolo's the next at 56. So, you, you I mean, you're almost 3K below Lamar, and it hits. You would be in phenomenal position because the rest of your lineup is going to be very stud-laden. So, you know... If you're willing to take the chance, I think a Garoppolo stack, because A, it's not a bad stack, B, because the pricing is so favorable, you could create a situation. And the other thing about it that we like is it's the first game on the slate. So if you, just for kicks and giggles, put a handful of Garoppolo stacks together, right, and it hits, you would then be able to uh, go in there and late swap and play around um, and try to create some verticals for yourself with that lineup. So, you know, it's risky. But I could see it being something you could have a lot of fun with if it hits. Uh, one other guy on, on San Francisco that's probably worth bringing up uh, is Jusek at 3,100. Now, he's probably going to make one big play in this game. Like, I think he'll be a six or seven point player. Uh, well, maybe more like a four to eight point player or something. Obviously, if he scores, that all bets are off. But, you know, he'll probably have one or two touches. They'll probably, they scheme him well. Um, so if you're like, man, I just, you know, I love this lineup, but all I have left is 3,100, you could throw him in there. You know, you could throw him in there uh, at your RB1 spot. Well, it'd be your RB3 spot, but you put it up top because it's the first game. You wouldn't want to put him in your flex. Okay. That's it for Frisco uh, Vikings. Uh, Titan Baltimore, pretty simple, man. I, I'm not messing with anybody but Derrick Henry here. And I'm not putting Henry in all my lineups, but I'm going to have significant Henry exposure. I just, I, I'm having trouble envisioning the rest of this offense hitting. Uh, as I said to Hackett yesterday, you know, if you want to do Ferkser at 2,500, okay. I mean, I could see that as a pay down kind of thing. Um, on the other side, Lamar, we want him. But it's not exactly easy to get to him, okay? So, you know, you know, if you start moving away from Lamar because you don't like your Lamar lineups, I think that's reasonable. Uh, it obviously depends on which guys in the four, three to four K area that you like. Um, 
so, you know, I think Lamar is aspirational, but I'm also breaking off on a lot of lineups and saying, yeah, I'm not going to chase this. Um, like, I've made a bunch of Lamar lineups, and I'm done. Like, now I'm looking into other things. Um, Ingram at 6,700, I'm straight fading. I'm not taking any shares. Um, Andrews at 5,600 is going to be one of my more owned players. Gus Edwards at 49 is the way I'm going. If I'm rostering a running back from them, it's probably Gus at 49 with a spritzing a light spritzing of Justice Hill and GPP lineups, uh, and I I will have some Hollywood Brown exposure. Not probably not going to mess around with Snead, Roberts, Hurst, Boyle, guys like that. Um, moving down to Houston and Kansas City, love the Kansas City side. Mahomes is my second quarterback. Definitely building a lot of options. Their offensive line is getting better. Houston's defense, other than Watt, is not very inspiring. Uh, so Mahomes, I like uh, when I play him. Uh, I'm going to have a stack with Hill, I'm going to have a stack with Kelsey, I'm going to have a stack with Damian, and then I will also have a couple Mahomes lineups where I blend. Um, so many different ways you can play Mahomes that are good. The trick is, do you want to correlate? And I just don't love any of Houston's players enough to correlate. I'm not correlating on my Mahomes stacks. Um you know, I'm just hoping Houston is in play for me. I'm playing Houston in the sense that I need them to find some points. If it's Watson's legs, if it's a big play by anybody, that's fine. Uh, and I'll take a loss here or there by not having picked the Houston player who goes off. But I'm having trouble seeing where it's going to come from. Not knowing Fuller's condition makes it doubly tough. Um, and I really want to play Fuller. Right, I mean, obviously, Fuller at 5K, are you kidding me? But the guy, I mean, and clearly there's a chance that they're punking us here. Like, Will Fuller could come out and, oh, man, looks like he's healthy, we're all in trouble. That's there, and I'm taking that risk, and it could burn me. I don't want to, like, you know, I don't, air quote, know something here. This is just the way I see it. This is the way I'm going to play it. But I'm not going to lie to you. Will Fuller at 5K, Watson is 6,700. It makes me nervous. It does. Um but playing them would make me more nervous, I guess is the best way of explaining it. Um, so that's where I'm at here. I think you could make uh, arguments for Sammy Watkins at 43, particularly because of the pricing as it relates to this slate. Um, I think if I'm going to go there, I'd rather just go to 41 and play Hardman if I'm playing the long shot because I save an extra 200 bucks and he's more explosive. Like I think there's a better chance that me, Cole Hardman, has three touches and two of them go for long touchdowns than Sammy Watkins grinding it out to that same level at a higher cost. Um, so if I'm going to go thin... Uh, on Kansas City, it's going to be me, Cole. Um, and now down to the last game, um, Seattle at Green Bay. Uh, really like the Seattle side here. I think um, Wilson, obviously, a solid play. If I'm stacking him, it's either going to be with Metcalf or Lockett. I'm on Lockett just because I know everybody's going to be chasing those Metcalf points from last week. And while I actually have them as similar, similarly ranked plays, I think they're both strong, I think Ownership matters more to me on these small slates. I know you guys don't hear me talking about ownership rates all that much. On these small slates, I actually pay more attention to them. And I think, I mean, come on, after last week, people are going to be rostering DK. Um, so I think, you know, I'm probably going to be going like one-third DK, two-thirds Lockett. Um, and then I think Marshawn Lynch has some TD viability. So I think, you know, you know, if you don't want to pay down to Gus, go save $100 more. You go down to Marshawn, and I think you've got some touchdown equity. Not much else. If he, if he passed 50 yards, I would be happy. 
Um, and then over on the Green Bay side, uh, Rodgers, I'm very into playing. Um, you know, I mean, exposure-wise, because I like these other guys so much, you know, my Rodgers exposure is probably going to be around 10%, but I will be doing some Aaron Rodgers GPPs. Uh, I will stack with Adams uh, probably... You know, if let's say I make three Rodgers lineups, two of them will probably be Adams, one Lazard. If I do a fourth, I might block Adams and Lazard. Um, but then Aaron Jones is another possibility because he is a running back who can create big plays in the passing game. So, you know, probably if I'm doing Rodgers at quarterback, I'm going to double stack him because Rodgers is one of these guys with a fairly thin target distribution. So it, you, you feel good about stacking more, more than one player. So, you know, maybe with my Rodgers lineups, what I'm going to end up doing is uh, Rodgers with Adams and Lazard and then Rodgers with Jones and Lazard and then one with Rodgers, Jones, Adams. Um, those stacks work nicely because you're not getting too frictiony with the targets because Jones targets exist in a different area than Lazard's and Adams do, right? Um, so, you know, when Jones is getting targeted, it doesn't feel like we're losing targets from our other players as much. Uh, so, you know, I, I definitely like all those plays. I don't feel good about Jamal Williams enough to get him in there with any shares. Jimmy Graham, you never know, but he just looks too damn washed to me. I was toying around with the idea of MVS because nobody's going to touch him in a GPP, but the usage has just been too thin. So for me, when I go with, with, with Green Bay, it's really about Rodgers, Adams, Jones, and Lazard. And on the Seattle side, it's about Wilson, DK, and Lockett, you know, with a twist of beast mode. Um, and that's pretty much where I'm at with the slate. Um, I'm, I'm making a lot of lineups. Uh, as soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to spend probably the next two or three hours just messing around with lineups uh, and hopefully getting this thing uh, to a place where I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. And, and quite honestly, I think I've got already about 20 lineups built uh, because of that um, that mass entry thing that I was doing. And I, I feel pretty good about uh, most of the lineups I've created. And, and that's, I think, going to be one of the challenges we have this week. Um, creating a good lineup is not enough because it's not hard to do. Um, you really want to look at the whole board. And, and that's the great thing about these small slates is you can see the whole board at once. We're talking about eight total teams, eight offenses. It's not that hard. Um, you know, and it's not hard to see the whole board. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying lineup construction with this slate. Uh, I wish I had some more time to mess around with it. Um, we didn't talk much about defenses here. The tough thing about defenses on this slate, if you pay down a quarterback, you have choices. And clearly, uh, you know, San Francisco and I think Baltimore stand out. Uh, Kansas City, also pretty solid. Uh, and then, I, you know, Minnesota, you know, not too bad. Uh, if I had to pay down, I think the Titans is the place to be. Uh, not really loving the Seahawks or uh, the Texans. Um, and that's about it. That's about it for the slate. That's, uh, that's how I'm seeing it. Uh, hopefully you guys are having fun with this whole, uh, post redraft time. I have gotten more sleep in the last week than I think I got like from weeks, like one through 16 combined. Um, and you know, next week's going to be even better because I have even less to do. Next week's actually almost like a vacation week for me. Definitely looking forward to it as well. Um, so thanks for checking in uh, with us on a Saturday. Thanks for listening to the Rotobomb podcast. Good luck with all your lineups. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Definitely going to be doing a podcast for next weekend's uh, smaller slate. And um, 
really, once I'm done with that, and, and obviously we'll do a Super Bowl uh, podcast for that as well, but um, next week uh, I'm going to be, when I'm not lying around being a lazy ass, I'm going to be watching rookie film, and uh, after next week I'm going to transition really hard uh, into rookie stuff, and we'll have rookie podcasts uh, on this uh, podcast channel uh, before the end of the month. So uh, hopefully we got a lot of Dynasty folks in the audience and uh, you guys are going to enjoy that stuff. Uh, so go out there, make some lineups, uh, enjoy all the action today, and, you know, win some money. Giddy up. <laughs>